are listening to the Creative Spirits Podcast. I'm your host, Cheryl Benji. I'm an artist, art educator, and creative coach. I'm here to share my journey and experience with you. I also interview other artists and creatives and share their words of wisdom. I believe we were all born to create. It just takes a little bit of practice, patience, and persistence to get to where you want to be. So please stay tuned for a magical episode. This is episode 56 of the Creative Spirits Podcast. I'm your host, Cheryl Benji, and today we have a wonderful guest named Grace Chan, and she will be sharing with us a few secrets about creating your own successful art business. Grace is a commercial animal photographer, author, podcaster, creative coach, Akashic record reader, and energy intuitive. She helps people reconnect with their innate creative energy so they can manifest all their creative desires with courage and use them as a vehicle to serve and create expansion in the world. Grace uses mindset work, subconscious reprogramming, and energy reading to help creatives, artists, and entrepreneurs shift to higher levels of consciousness with new thoughts and beliefs. So please stay tuned for this wonderful and inspiring interview with Grace. Grace, thank you for being on my podcast. Hi, Cheryl. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I am obsessed with your work and your art. And so it's just so great to connect with you today. Thank you. Uh, well, the feeling's mutual. I'm obsessed with your work and your photography. <laughs> um, it's just beautiful. So tell us about yourself and who or what inspired your creativity. Uh, I am a commercial animal photographer and artist. And so what that means is I take images for companies, ad agencies, brands that are pet focused, like uh, Fancy Feast, Purina, Milkbone. Um, I've done jobs for brands like Nintendo when they have like an animal focused product they're trying to get out. So yeah, I basically take pictures of animals for a living and get paid, which is the best job ever. Yes. And then I'm also an artist because when I'm not taking photos for companies, I'm taking photos for myself and developing my own work. Um, and so I really love that I get to do both, that I get to get paid to create for brands. And I also get to create the work that's really coming from my own soul. And I honestly, I've been creative for, I mean, I came out of the womb creative, I think. And I think my life's journey has really been to keep growing into that because my parents are immigrants and they came from Korea in the very, very early 1970s. And at the time, the government was very restrictive on what you could take out of the country and I think they came here, they were each allowed to bring one suitcase and $250. Uh And so they came here and all they wanted was a better life for their children. And um, for them, that meant their kids be able to get a very stable, well-paying job. And so even though they, they had very good jobs in Korea, my mom was a nurse and she was like a Mm. government nurse. And my dad was an engineer and a teacher. And um, they were very, their jobs in Korea at the time are considered like very respectable, high paying jobs. And they came to America and became dry cleaners. And so mm. didn't want their children to have to work 
like that. Like they only got one year off during the whole year, one week off the whole year for vacation. They worked six days a week and they just didn't want their kids to work like that and live like that. And so their idea of success was financial stability, which means I have to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer, you know, because that was it was so limited and what they they knew was possible. And so even though I came into the planet so creative and self-expressing and so artistic, um, I was always told it was a really, really great hobby and that I had to go and become a doctor. And so my life's journey has really been about um, growing more into myself and allowing my creativity to unfold and to show not just my parents, but to show people that you can be very successful and make very good money being creative and an artist. It's so not what everyone says it is. And now um, I love teaching people how they can do it as well. I love that. And I can so relate to your story because my parents were also immigrants and they came during the uh, 1979 revolution um, that was happening in Iran. So they immigrated here and my dad was a physician and, you know, my mom, well, she was taking care of me. She was a homemaker. But when they came here, they had to start all over and um, basically opened up a deli, you know, selling sandwiches. And and it just like your parents, it was like nonstop working, maybe took one day off during the week. And it was um, a struggle. And and they, they did pretty well later in life. Um, and then they lost everything. But that's just a whole other story. Yeah. But my dad always wanted me to be in the medical field. And it confused me so much because I just knew I loved being an artist and I want to be an art teacher. And my dad was like, how are you going to make money that way? So it was like instilled in my mind that I could not make money being creative, mm-hmm. you me know, too. and Yeah. And so, and it wasn't, he wasn't coming from a bad place. You know, he just wanted from what he knew is that's how you can make a good living is going into the medical field and, you know, being more established there. And even in my culture, it's like you either become a doctor, lawyer, businessman, or, you know, and it's changing though. Like there are a lot of um, the younger generation who are learning that you can be creative and make money, but it, it takes um, a lot of awareness and education. <laughs> I know. And you know, and I think the internet has probably helped a lot too in showing possibility for people. Yes. Because truly, like when I'm a kid growing up in the 80s and 90s and the what the access to information was so limited then and it was so just limited to what you saw on television, in the movies and in magazines. And first of all, I never saw people like me at all ever really Asian American, let alone Asian Americans being creative, like the, the, it wasn't even in my sphere of possibility, let alone, you know, I, I like you nailed it. Like my parents were so well-meaning and they were only trying to set me up on the path that they knew and mm-hmm. anything getting paid creatively, just not even in their wheelhouse. Cause in Korea, I mean, Korea was coming out of a war, you know, they mm-hmm. were still trying to recover from a war when they left. And so you know, people, that's why like being a teacher and an engineer was like the highest profession you could get. Cause you know, it's clean, it's white collar. You're not, you know, it's not manual labor and that's mm-hmm. all they wanted for their children too. So I totally understand they were being, they were well-meaning, but you know, I didn't know either. And so I'm, I'm going based off what my parents told me that it's just not possible. And they were so great because they acknowledged 
that I was a great artist. They not acknowledged that yes. I was creative, but it's like, that's why it was always more like, but that's a really cute hobby. Like, yes, <laughs> you real. yes, you're really creative and that's great. And we love it and we value that, but you can't make money doing it. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so you are an amazing photographer that captures the true essence and soul of animals, especially dogs. What got you into that line of work? Thank you so much um, for for saying that about my work. Um, you know, so I have my undergraduate degree in biology and I went straight to art school. I finally was like, you know what? Um, I saw the truth. I saw that, hey, mm. it is possible to make money because when you get into college, you're not in your little bubble anymore. You start to see like what what else is out there in the world. Mm -hmm. And I discovered uh, creative advertising when I was my senior year of of undergrad. And so I applied to art school and I got in and I worked in the ad industry for a while um, as an art director, making commercials and print campaigns and all that stuff. And I got so burned out. I was so miserable. And I started taking headshots of homeless dogs to help them get adopted. It was purely volunteer oh. work. Um, I bought a like my first fancy DSLR camera and I started first practicing on my own dogs that I had just adopted. And then I thought, you know what, this can help rescue groups. So mm -hmm. I started working with rescue groups. And it's so interesting now when I think back what I was doing then and what I do now, there is such a clear through line there because what I was doing with these rescue dogs was really just trying to capture their essence so that somebody would see this picture on the internet and they'd be compelled to come in person and meet the animal. And that's really all that I do to this day, you know, and I think, um, when I work with dogs, especially because I connect with them on such a heart level, like I really almost feel like we are here on this planet working together mm -hmm. to um, really bring healing and comfort to people. And that's why I believe they're here. And I just feel like I'm here to show people that's why they're here. And we're really working together to do that. And so when I work with all animals, um, but especially dogs, but with all animals, I'm really tapping into them on a deeper energetic level. I found out very quickly into my career that I'm actually an animal communicator. And mm -hmm. all that really means is that I'm able to read their energy. I'm able to feel their energy. And through there, I can translate that into what they're thinking and feeling just by, by understanding what their energy is. And um, that's really, I think, what I'm channeling in everything that I capture. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And I have a rescue. And uh, I don't know, it's very cliche, but I feel like they rescue us, you know, like Ew. it's the opposite. Mm -hmm. It's uh, And he, he's been such a um, joy to have in our lives. So when I see those photos, I, I it makes me look into his eyes more. You know, because you capture so much from their eyes. And sometimes, like, when I look at your photos, some of it looks so human. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> you see these human eyes looking at you. And um, just there's so much depth. You, I already know there's so much depth to these animals. And, you know, especially because I, like, love dogs so much. I And I'm around one so much. I see it every day. So I feel like your work is a reminder to really be present mm -hmm. when looking at your animal, no matter what kind. I also love birds. 
um, one we had recently passed and I would just, I don't know, I feel like animals just bring you back into Mm -hmm. the moment and that's what your work does. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. It's such a, seriously, like, especially for when I talk to people who really understand animals on that deeper level. Um, and for you to see that and recognize that in the work, um, it's truly the highest compliment. And thank you so much. Because yeah. really, I think we all know when you share a relationship with an animal, they have such a deep consciousness that a lot of people yes. don't understand. Just it's like a very surface level. Oh, they're just an animal. But when you have a relationship with them, you understand that they have such a deep consciousness. They have such an ability to create emotional connection. They think, they feel it's so funny to me because when I was in 12th grade, I remember in high school, I did a term paper in my biology class. I can't remember what they asked us to do, but the topic that I chose was about the emotional intelligence and feeling that animals have. And it was based Mm. on this book that I read at the time called When Elephants Weep. And the entire book is about the emotional world of animals and how dolphins play and elephants actually cry and will Mm. mourn over the bones of people in their group that have died. And they'll go there and touch the bones with their their um, trunks and cry. I did this when I was like in 12th grade. And back then at the time, science said that if you say animals have emotions, you're just anthro, I can never pronounce this word, but anthropomorphic. (laughs) Basically, you're projecting emotions onto them. You're just Uh, seeing in them a reflection of what you want to see. And that's all you're doing. Yeah. And this was like the prevailing thought back in the late 90s. And every time, you know, this was a while ago. And so now we'll get scientific studies that say, oh, research shows animals do have emotions. Or research (laughs) shows dogs are capable of love. And their oxytocin goes up when they see their owners too. I'm like, I didn't need science to tell me that this is Exactly. I already knew all this. I laugh at this because like I grew up with animals and you just you feel it yeah. and for science to have to tell you I, I never heard of that term that is so interesting I butchered it but it's like anthropomorphizing <laughs> anthropomorphizing something like that wow <laughs> uh, that's interesting so do you have any interesting or fun stories of working with these amazing furry friends Um, I mean, gosh, I've been doing this now since 2008. So that's a long time. It's been almost like 15 years. And I guess it's just how you describe interesting, right? Because, um, you know, I've done shoots with celebrities where you show up and they're so not what you think they'll be like. Like I did a job with a comedian who I was like, oh my God, I'm going to leave this and we're going to be best friends. I totally understand what she does on stage and our moms are like the same people. So I'm going to leave being besties with her. Like she barely talked to me (laughs) because it turns out her manager was like, oh, she's really shy. And actually most comedians are really, really shy. They like have this persona on stage. I'm like, okay. So the only time she would really make eye contact and talk to me was if I asked her questions about her dog, <laughs> her dog. Wow. So we just left it there. I was really surprised by that. Um, I've done a job with a woman who like had an entire closet, walk-in closet, where it was all custom-made dresses for her dog. <laughs> <laughs> Um, wow (laughs) and they travel and an entire suitcase will be dedicated to the dog's clothing (laughs) 
Wow, um, that's amazing. I think the ones that stick out to me too are always the ones where um, I show up. And I, where I started my business was um, I started as a family pet photographer. So people would hire me to take just great family photos or for their holiday card, whatever. You could hire me. I don't do that now. I'm only a commercial animal photographer, mm-hmm. which means I only work with companies. But so that's where most of these stories are coming from. But I think the most satisfying thing for me would be I would walk into a house and um, the owners would tell me the dog is just really, really, really shy. And through just my beingness, I guess, and just knowing how to be around animals and connect with them on that very deep energetic level, like they've always ended up coming out of their shell and like we're able to capture really, really great photos I've shot hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dogs and their families. And I would say in my career, there was only one dog that I just could not photograph. And I ended up stopping it just because I didn't want to torture him. You know Mm. what I mean? Like, it's not like a badge of honor for me to be like, oh, well, I ended up getting the shot. Like some dogs just can't do it. It's scary for them. Like, it feels like there's a really big intimidating eyeball staring at them. That's like so big and scary. And some dogs just can't do it. But for the rest of the dogs that were able to come out of their shell and be vulnerable and open up and trust me. Like, I think those were like my favorites. Wow. I just love that. In your podcast, Creativity School, which I really enjoy listening to, you share three simple secrets to being successful with your creative work. Can you share a little bit about that with us here? Yeah, it's actually so simple. It almost sounds stupid because <laughs> it's really simple. But what that episode uh, was about was me reflecting on how can you have a long-term career as a creative and an artist? And I think people think it's going to be like I'm giving some like really cool life hacks on what, um, you know, how to make this amazing work that stands out and gets all this attention and you make all this money from it. And that's not what those tips are at all. It's so simple. And it's really the first thing is just do really good work and Mm -hmm. doing good work really is, it encompasses so many things. It's um, being yourself in it, not being afraid to have a point of view in it, not being afraid to be you, but it's also how you approach the work. It's like, you want to, be open-minded all the time and have a beginner's mind because it's in that openness that you're able to look at the world without any judgment or preconceptions. And when you do that, you're able to just collect influences from everywhere. Like a walk with your dog could be a creative session because you're out with a beginner's mind and noticing the textures and the colors Mm -hmm. and the animals and whatever. And that all goes into your creative piggy bank, right? They're influences that you can put together and combine into however else it's going to show up in your work as you be yourself and channel things from your unique point of view. But a really big part of this also is just you do good work by doing the work. Like you have to get out of the ideation and concepting phase because that's the easy part, right? Like coming up with the ideas and the, the cool things like, I say it's kind of like pooping, like coming up with cool ideas <laughs> is like pooping. It's easy. That's the fun part. It flows out yeah. of you, right? But being able to sit down with the commitment to do the work is yeah. the challenging part, right? And, and it's right. only doing that work that you're going to get better. So it's really about do good work through 
having an open mind, being yourself, collecting all those influences and not being afraid to have it synthesize and come out uniquely as yourself, but also just sit down and do the work. Mm -hmm. so that's the, first one. the second one is share your work. So, oh, by the way, if the first one is, is more about like your energy, I look at everything as energy. And so it's really about how is your energy going inward, right? It's like, what are you collecting? How are, how, what are the things that are influencing you and how are you taking that and channeling it through commitment and dedication and creating the mm -hmm. work, right? But the second tip is share your work. And this is like en your, that energy going outward, right? Because if your dream is to create a career with your, your work and, and have longevity with that, people have to know you exist, right? right. You have to be comfortable with putting your vulnerability out to the world and have people be able to connect with that and see that. And if it's something that's meaningful to you, share it. Because if it's meaningful to you, it's probably going to be meaningful to someone else. And I'm not saying you have to share everything you make because as artists, we know this, like sometimes we make work that's like just really purely for ourselves and it's not mm -hmm. up for public consumption, right? But if you really want to start building that muscle of, creating work and then have it connect with people, have them know you exist and have it impact people. You have to get into the practice of sharing it and sharing it fearlessly. Like you might not get the reaction that you want, but you have to believe that I was led to put this out there because it was meaningful to me. And I know it's going to be meaningful to someone else, even if it's just one person that makes a difference. It matters. And in the process of doing this, I'm just building a lot of resilience in continuing to share my work on this journey. And I can't tell you, Cheryl, the things that have come into my career just because I've constantly shared my work. Like I've been on television mm. because of it. I've gotten huge clients that are still my clients to this day because of it. Um, I got my uh. bills because of it. So I can't emphasize enough on how important that is to share. Um, and the last one is really about like your beingness, your identity, your character. It's like, who are you being and showing up in the world as? And it's so simple because it's just be kind and have integrity. Yeah. That's it. It's so simple because if you are committed to doing good work, sharing the work, and you're somebody that's kind and has integrity, you can't not be successful. Like just I've done this for so long and I can see in my career how me being kind and having integrity has been like such a strong foundation for how I show up, how I am with clients, why they want to continue working with me. And especially coming from the ad world, like I've seen time and time again, and we see this in Hollywood and stuff too. Like it's, it's like, it's almost as if talent and kindness can't coexist yeah I believe that they can coexist I believe you can be an insanely creative person and also be incredibly kind like I I just I truly believe that and I think um it's sort of just if you can lead with your kindness right like you can get yes. people to do things for you by being a jerk but you can also get people to help you and and do what you want through kindness and I think there's just a way to operate in the world and get what you want without being a jerk about it. But then the other piece to this, I think integrity is so important as well, because I define integrity as how you act when people aren't watching you. Right. Yeah. And um, this piece has been so integral in my business. And, um, you know, as for as long as I've been doing this, especially in the beginning, it would be really frustrating because um, I've had a lot of really weird, icky, shady 
people show up in my business and my life. And, you know, I would see these people approach me and just do these really gross things, but then go out in the world and like be more successful. Like, why is it their businesses are growing faster? Why are their careers seemingly better than mine? And it just wouldn't feel fair. It's like, how mm-hmm. can people are doing these gross things and they get further along? And mm-hmm. I remember I asked somebody this question and what they told me, I'll never forget because they reminded me this is a long game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the people that do these shady things, they might get further ahead quicker, but to remember that it's a long game and you might go slower operating out of your integrity and you might not get as far ahead as fast, but you're going to have longevity doing it the way that way. And you're going to like yourself while you're doing it. And I never forgot that. And I was like, that's because this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And so I want to keep doing this for the rest of my life. I got to just keep operating in my own integrity and truth and not get swayed by the lie that the only way to get ahead in business is to be shady and cutthroat about it. Like I believe to my bones that I can do this the way that I want, even if it means I go slower, because I know it's going to give me the longevity in the end. And I have to tell you, most of those people that came to me doing the shady stuff are not even photographers anymore. Wow. Yeah. And I connected to the last ones you said, especially the kindness and integrity, because I have seen, you know, I'm in the art world a lot and I've seen like just some not so kind gallery owners, for example, Mm -hmm. or just um, even artists who they're, they're great. They're very talented, but then, wow, just the way they, might talk to you or just because they are doing so well. And it's like, you know, I just feel like, like you said, you can be kind and be talented and successful. Why, why are they separate? So I just love how you brought that up. And um, so you are now coaching. Um, What made you take that leap of faith and try something new and basically start over? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, it actually started with the podcast because in 2019, so that's like 11 years into my career, I really felt like I wanted to help people more in some way and I didn't know how. And when the podcast came up, I was like, oh my God, no, I don't want to do a podcast. That's terrifying. <laughs> but <laughs> I realized this is actually the perfect way for me to get my message out and for talk to, pe- to talk to people and really Um, reconnect them back to their highest creative selves because I think we all are creative like every like just it's so mind-boggling to me that people think they're not creative when I'm like Mm -hmm. when you're human you're creative like we come in so creative it just gets programmed out of us and there are so many people out there who just long to reconnect with that part of themselves again and just don't even know how because all the other voices out there are so much louder than their own internal voice And so the podcast happens, but then the creative coaching is just really an extension of that because it's, it's doing this, but more on a one-on-one level. And, um, I'm really just getting started at it, but I love it. I love it so much. I love that. I always talk about the healing benefits of art and I noticed your healer series a long time ago, and I was reading one of your IG posts of your dog maybe, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a bit more about that? 
Yeah. Yeah. The Healer Photo Series is a series that I actually started working on in 2019 after maybe passed away. She's like my soulmate dog. And it's basically um, portrait. And I started in 2019, but then I got pregnant and the pandemic happened. And so I didn't start releasing them until 2021, two years later. And they're basically just black and white photos of dogs where they're very just stark portraits. And um, I give props before you view the work where you are asked to connect with the dog's eyes, breathe very, very slowly to the count of four, exhale slowly to the count of four, and really just allow yourself to feel their energy. And, and really in, in slowing down and breathing, you get to feel your own energy, right? Because then at the end, what I ask people to do is reflect. How do you feel? And were you getting any messages from them? Like we don't give ourselves the time to slow down and calm down our nervous systems. And so the series is really about giving people the chance to do that through the very healing energy of dogs that we've talked about a lot. And um, after maybe died, I was devastated. And um, she really taught me how to grieve because my dad died when I was 13. And Mm. um, I mean mental health discussions in the Korean American community, like none, (laughs) there was no discussion, even like (laughs) emotional um, growth, like no, like parenting now and the way we teach our children about emotions and regulation just did not exist for me Mm -mm. when I was growing up. Me neither. Um, Right. I don't know if it's an immigrant thing or if it was just the time we grew up in, maybe a combination of both, but Mm. um, sorry, maybe just a combination of both, but when my dad died, the feedback I remember the most is it's okay, just stop crying or stop yeah. crying. You're going to make your mom sad. <laughs> like, okay, just stuff all your emotions down and don't feel anything. And so when my dog died, she really taught me how to grieve. She walked me through it literally, you know, because I'm talking to her and she's like, you have to feel everything. You have to process everything. I know it really, really hurts, but you have to like let yourself feel that. There were times where it felt like I felt a literal pain in my heart, like a physical Mm -hmm. pain. And I was like, wow, this is why people talk about heartbreak, because my heart literally feels like it's breaking right now. But um, that process of healing with her was so just opened up my heart so much, even more to um, not just wanting to help people through my podcast, but really realizing the power of like, I can work with dogs to help people heal themselves. And that's really what um, the whole healer series is about now. And I feel like it was just the perfect timing for it because the world was just recovering from so much and is still going through so much. And it's helpful to have this type of energy for people to feel and see. And that's healing. And that's what I always talk about, how important art is and how much and what it can do for us. Now. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for that. And what words of wisdom do you have for all the creative spirits out there? I feel like this whole podcast was words of wisdom. Also. Oh. <laughs> any any more insights? <laughs> I would just say, you know, yeah, art is healing and we need it. We need so much healing in the world. And um, you know, as artists, we are showing people the very, very special way we see things. 
right? Like we're, sh we're showing people our very special way, the things that we care about, the way we synthesize things, the, the our understanding of the world and how, you know, like we're sharing something so deep within ourselves. And in doing that, number one, yes, I think the art itself is so healing, right? Because there's so much meaning and purpose and intention behind it. When anyone interacts with something like that, that is a healing act in and of itself. I think art is absolutely a vehicle for healing. But also, I think it's healing twofold because we have such wounds in our culture of what it means to be an artist. And, mm -hmm. you know, some people think, you know, it's selfish or there's more important things to do because art at its essence is answering a calling within you so deep within yourself. Like you can't ignore it. Right. And yeah. what, what, when you do that, you're putting yourself first. And we're taught, especially as women, that we're supposed to put ourselves last. Mm -hmm. Right. And so in creating art, you're tapping into your, your deepest desires and honoring it and then creating this thing that wants to be channeled from you. And so even just the act of you being an artist is healing for people to show people that possibility of what it means to be so authentically yourself and to honor yourself enough that you're creating art and sharing it. I think that is so healing too. That's beautiful. It's perfect. Where can people find you and your work? Uh, my website is gracetron.com. That's more of my animal photography work. And my podcast is Creativity School. And the website for that is creativityschoolpodcast.com. And I'm also on Instagram at the Grace Tron, where I share my photography, but I also share, you know, like more tips and information on how to live your most abundant creative life. Thank you for being on my podcast. This was really. Um, beautiful. I, I loved uh, talking to you and getting to know you better and just connecting with you. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Cheryl. This was so nice to connect with you. Thank you so much for this time and space. Thank you for listening to today's Creative Spirits podcast. If you would like to get to know me better, you can go to my website, CherylBenji.com, or follow me on Instagram at CherylBenji underscore art. If you would like a creative coaching session with me, please contact me through my website. You can also join my Creative Spirits Facebook group or Saturday Night Live Art Shows Facebook group. Please follow and share with anyone that might be interested in this podcast. It would mean the world to me. I believe in the butterfly effect and spreading the good vibes into the universe. You never know who you will impact by sharing. Love and light and magic always. Mm -hmm.